morning. Um, we thank you for your resurrection. We pray that you would bring many um, on Friday and on Sunday, next um, Sunday, to hear the gospel uh, and that you would transform lives. Uh, we ask for that. Uh, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from the Browns and pray that you would uh, just bless it, that um, we would learn, uh, we would understand, we would uh, just be able to pray with them and partner with them, and uh, pray you bless this time this morning, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So many of you already know Justin Brown. Um, I've gotten to meet him just over the last little bit and talk with him. It's been wonderful. So uh, I'm just going to uh, invite him up uh, and have him share a little bit about what he's doing. Um, and uh, and uh, I think you guys are in for a real treat. So let's go. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be with you back in Hood River again. Um, we're so thankful for the opportunity to uh, just give you a little update on what's been going on in our lives and our, our ministry. So um, I think we will have some uh, slides to show you a little bit as well. But I just wanted to begin by just thanking you. Uh, some of you remember us. We were serving in Lebanon for three years as your missionaries. And we're just uh, so grateful for your prayers and support during that time and, and after as we were going through this uh, process with our boys of immunotherapy, I'll mention in a minute. Um, but I can just tell you from personal experience now how much it means to us to have uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that are praying for us and thinking about us uh, while we're overseas. Uh, it might not seem like much to you, but just uh, having that knowledge. And uh, thank you for the little cards you sent us uh, once in a while. Um, it just is uh, such a blessing. And, you know, when you have challenging days, uh, Overseas, you're feeling uh, lonely and disconnected and that kind of thing. Um, it really helps so much to uh, have your prayers and to see how the Lord answers those prayers in, in our lives. So I just wanted to begin by thanking you for, for that. Well, um, for those of you that uh, don't uh, are new or don't remember us, um, I'll just introduce my family. My name is Justin Brown, as was said. And uh, if you go to the first slide there, um, we... Uh, have a picture of all of us. My family's here. My wife and I, our, my wife Rebecca is here uh, along with our four children. We have Audra um, who is 11, Hudson who's nine, and Silas is actually eight now. He just turned eight. And Thea is four years old and they're all here. So they'd love to meet you guys afterwards. Um, but uh, as I said, we served in Lebanon, in Beirut, for three years. We were, our goal was to start a pastoral training center there, and the, the training center has actually uh, started and is uh, continuing on. And um, we came back um, from Lebanon in 2019 because uh, we found out our boys both had uh, severe, have severe peanut allergies. And uh, it was a very difficult decision to make, but uh, we just decided that it was best to come back to the U.S. for a time and, and enter them in some, uh, they have some immunotherapy programs now um, in certain places where they can desensitize children, uh, so they're not as sensitive to the allergens. And uh, so we came back uh, to do that, and by God's grace, we had a great doctor that we found down in Los Angeles. And um, we're able to help pay for it through the insurance. I, I'm working at the church, our church, uh, Grace Community Church down there. And uh, so the boys finished that process in October, and they're much less sensitive to peanuts. So that's a real load off of our minds. And uh, we're excited for um, the next phase of ministry. 
Uh, before we do that, I thought it, uh, it would be helpful if I had just shared a little bit of my testimony and how I uh, became involved in, in ministry and, and missions. Uh, some of you may have heard this before, so, uh, but for those of you that haven't, um, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents loved the Lord, and I'm so thankful for that. And it was important to them that we went to a, a church that was preaching the Word. They uh, grew up listening to you know people like John MacArthur and and others who have that commitment to um, faithfully uh, opening God's Word. And uh, so I actually went to a, a Christian college uh, when I was in college, but. Um, I wanted nothing to do with missions or ministry. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I was a computer science major, and I, I don't know, I thought I would maybe go back to my hometown in Northern California and live there, and that was kind of all as far as I thought ahead. Um, and actually, I, have a, I had a friend in college who was, I think she could kind of tell I was resistant to this idea and maybe not the best, uh, didn't have the best reasons for it, so she was encouraging me to go on a missions trip, our, our our school had missions trips during the summer, and what I would tell her is, well, I'm not called to be a missionary, as if you needed to be called to go on a, <laughs> a missions trip. But I just, you know, I think deep down I just didn't want to be uncomfortable. I didn't want to go to a foreign place and eat strange food and try to talk a strange language. Um, it just seemed all overwhelming to me. I didn't really even want to leave California, to be honest. Um, but then one day we had a, a missionary come and speak in chapel. We had chapel three times a week, and a, this missionary from Papua New Guinea came. And uh, it was one of those times where you, you have a, a sermon or a message that the Lord just really uses to speak directly to you. You know, it feels like, you know, it was prepared just for you. And uh, he started talking about his own call to ministry and said that, you know, he's talking about the Great Commission and how clear it was in Scripture what the church is called to do, both here in our own uh, neighborhoods and, and to all the nations. And uh, he said, you know, some people have a, kind of a miraculous experience. I think that was what maybe I was, what I was waiting for, some kind of miraculous call to ministry or to missions. He said, I never had anything like that. I, I read what it, the Bible said, what Jesus said in the Great Commission, and there was these opportunities in Papua New Guinea, and I, I was uh, able to go, so I went. And, you know, I kind of think that God's not going to be upset that we spent our life preaching the gospel down there to these tribal people. And uh, he said some other things like that related, and it just really hit me. And I, I started to realize that, you know, I wasn't even willing to consider the possibility that God would want me to go overseas uh, to serve him. And uh, that's really was the beginning of a process, kind of a longer story. I ended up going on a missions trip to Mexico, a, a longer one, um, and uh, read uh, the book uh, "Don't Waste Your Life" by John Piper. Some of you read that, you know. If you if you read that, you know it's a very he's very direct in that book about you know getting distracted on things that are not uh, focused on God's will and God's kingdom, and that really was part of that process as well. So um, kind of uh, by the end of college, I basically said to the Lord, you know, you're, I'm yours. Uh, you bought me with a price, and so uh, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go overseas, even to the jungle or something like that, that was something I was a little bit afraid of, um, I'll go and I'll, I'll, uh, I want to be faithful to that. And so um, Rebecca's wanted to, on the other hand, wanted to be a, a missionary since she was a little girl, so 
Um, that was kind of a different process for her, and it was actually part of our relationship as we got to know each other and were kind of moving towards marriage. She was starting to wonder, you know, Lord, is this the guy for me? Because I'm, I really have a heart for missions, and he doesn't want anything to do with that. And so it took me a while to convince her that I was serious, that I was, you know, becoming interested and open to this possibility. So anyway, after, after we got married, we decided, you know, this is what we want to do. There's, there's so many people who aren't able to go to the mission field, uh, just their life situation, or they're not willing to go like, like I had been. And so um, we decided uh, to look into that further and uh, felt the need for uh, more training, more equipping and, um, and that. So we went to seminary and in seminary, we were exposed to the Master's Academy International, which is a, a group of training centers all around the world that's focused on equipping men uh, for the faithful exposition of God's Word, uh, kind of like a seminary that I went through, the, the seminary I went through, same as uh, uh, Pastor Chris. And uh, I just, that, that kind of ministry model really captured my attention of um, helping these guys who never had a chance to have this kind of training um, to pass on what I've learned to them. And so I'll talk a little bit about that more, but um, that's kind of our background, and we just were excited for this kind of ministry and really now can't imagine doing anything else. And so we're just thankful to the, the Lord's mercy of saving us and to um, draw us to uh, this kind of service for him. So I'll tell you a little bit about our, our team. We are going to the Philippines uh, when we came back and did this process with the boys, um, we decided not to go back to Lebanon, um, and that's kind of a, there's a number of reasons for that. Kind of one of the big ones was uh, for us just uh, making the best use of our time. You know, I'm, I'm still young, but I'm not as young as I used to be, and, uh, you know, it takes a long time to learn Arabic. We were uh, making good progress with that, but, you know, whenever you, whenever you stop uh, practicing a foreign language, it starts to go pretty pretty quickly, unfortunately. Um, so as we were sitting here, and then COVID kind of made everything longer, like, like we've all experienced, um, we went back to our mission agency and, and asked them, you know, what are some other options? You know, if we, wouldn't, if we don't go back to Lebanon, what are uh, other places that you're looking for missionaries? And one of those was the Philippines. And, uh, and so you, as you'll see, there's a lot of uh, exciting possibilities there, and they are doing the ministry in, in English. So that's exciting for us to be able to just start. And it's not like we're not willing to put in the work uh, with Arabic. Um, another aspect of it is um, some of the guys that I helped train during our, our short time there, um, they're going on for further study at the Master's Seminary, and they're going to be going back to Lebanon and working with the, the team that's still there. Um, our church is actually preparing two new families to go out to Egypt as uh, to be kind of an extension campus, or it's not a campus, but an extension of the training center there in Egypt because of some connections we've made. So I was looking at that and seeing how they're, ha they're starting to have more staff and more uh, helpers there. And um, in the Philippines, they've actually lost a few families. And so that was another, another side of that. So first I'll introduce you to our team. If you go to the, the next slide and then the one after that. Um, Sean and Jessica Ransom are the, the leaders of our team in the Philippines. They've been serving there since 2004. Um, and Sean is the founder of the training center, which is called the Expositors Academy, which we shortened to TEA, which looks like T, but it's actually, they say TEA. 
Sean jokes that people think he's in the tea business for uh, <laughs> some time. So um, they have uh, seven children. You can see some of them there. And um, I'm really excited about to uh, work with Sean. He just has a lot of ministry experience. He's one of those kind of visionary leaders that has lots of ideas about possibilities. They've made a lot of connections in the Philippines with different Filipino pastors, and it seems like every time I talk to him, he's like, okay, you know, we could do this, and you could be involved here, um, and he's just looking forward to us being there. But at the same time, he's not one of those people that's kind of up in the clouds. You know, sometimes the visionary leader types, they need someone to pull them down all the time to reality, and he does, I don't get that from him. He's very practical as well, so it's a nice, it's, he's a great fit for the leadership of the team and the training center. He's recently become the, the regional shepherd of all of the, the missionaries from our sending agency that are in Asia. And so he has a lot of ideas for trying to work together with other, group, uh, with other missionaries. We have a missionary down in Indonesia and one in Myanmar and um, a few in China and just trying to look for how we can work together uh, to encourage each other and also to help each other's ministry. Um, the next family is um, Alan and Sandy Luciano. They've been there since 2014. Uh, we actually uh, overlapped in seminary, and so we knew them a little bit from before. Rebecca knows Sandy pretty well as they've been in a, women, a uh, missionary wives uh, Bible study over Zoom for the last couple years. And uh, our kids are excited because their boys are about uh, kind of similar ages to ours, so you kind of have some built-in friends that are there. Sean and Jessica and Alan and Sandy live in Manila in the north, and that's where we'll be for at least the first couple years. And then the third family that's living in the country is Devraj and Tristy Urs. Uh, they used to serve in India, and then there were some issues there, and so they, they moved over to our team in the Philippines, and they serve in the south in uh, Davao City. So, uh, and then we have a fourth team member who's not living in the country. They live in Idaho, actually. His name is Tim Carnes and his wife, Tina. And so he will come out, he'll fly out and do, uh, our, our program is all modular. It's not like a semester system where you go to class for several months. It's kind of an intensive class where you go for a few days and then kind of turn in the homework by correspondence. So Tim will often fly out and help with those and he does a lot of work on, on Zoom. And uh, so he's, uh, I should add a slide for him actually, but... Um, those three are the ones that are in the country. And then there's another family that's um, um, interested in the Philippines. They might possibly join us, so we'll make five. And uh, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of ministry to go around, as, as you'll see. Some of you may be familiar with the Philippines, but I'll just uh, give you a little bit of background if you keep going to the country here. Philippines is located there, as you can see, in Southeast Asia. And uh, if you go to the next slide, it will give you kind of a zoomed-in view that's a little blurry. i got to find a better map. But um, one of the things that we're so excited about this ministry is uh, really the regional po possibilities. Um, you may know that the Philippines has had missionaries for over 100 years. Um, there's a number of solid evangelical churches there. There's a lot of cults and a lot of false teaching. The Catholic Church is very strong. It's over 90% of the population is considered Catholic. Um, so the evangelical church is small, but there are faithful churches there. And uh, what this has done is it's, we really see Philippines as a, as a gateway to the region. 
It's very easy to, for people to travel there. You get an automatic 30-day visa when you show up. You don't even have to apply for it. It's, it's very cheap to fly there from these other countries in the region. And already, uh, TEA has, has welcomed students from six other countries in the area, and that's, we expect that to increase. You know, places where it would be maybe harder to, to start a training ministry because of, you know, religious pressure or government challenges, things like that. So it's easy for these guys to come over and be trained and then go back. Another side of the kind of strategic nature is we all, maybe you've met some Filipinos. Filipinos travel all over the world for work. When we were in Lebanon, we met Filipinos or ran into Filipinos there that were working as domestic helpers. A lot of them are in the medical community. Uh, we were visiting a church in Washington this week, and some uh, members of that church had traveled to Dubai to do uh, some education ministry there, and they've talked about how many Filipinos were there in Dubai. And so it's exciting for us to be able to strengthen the churches there, to equip people who are maybe traveling, not as missionaries, but just as workers, but they take the gospel with them. And uh, honestly, there's some places in the world that, uh, a lot of places, more places than there used to be, where somebody like me, a, a white American, is going to have more trouble getting into. And that's what's uh, so neat about this kind of ministry is equipping people that can go places that, that would be very difficult for me to go. Um, so those are some, some aspects of kind of where the Philippines is placed that are, that are really exciting for us and we feel are strategic. It's not just ministry to the Philippines, although there, there are hundreds of people that have gone through the program, Filipinos, we also have a view to the region. The Philippines itself, uh, as you probably realize, is made up of more than 7,000 different islands. Um, not all of them are inhabited, uh, but if you added up all the land area, it'd be about the size of Arizona. And, uh, you know, there's about 7 million people in Arizona, but there's 110 million people in the Philippines. So it's something that we're going to have to get used to is the, the kind of the crowded nature. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people, especially in the cities. Uh, so that'll be an adjustment for us. We've been living in the mountains <laughs> uh, during the last three years and a little more isolated. So that'll be kind of a change. But um, one thing we're looking forward to is being closer to our church. When we came back from Lebanon, we couldn't really afford something close in Southern California, close to Grace Church, and so we kind of kept going out, you know, kind of like you do in a major city, you just keep going out until you find something that's reasonable, and so we're about an hour from our church right now, which I can't really recommend, but, um, you know, the Lord's, it was a provision for our family, we're really thankful for it, but we're excited to be able to be more involved in a, one of the local churches there in, uh, in the Philippines. All right. If you go to the next slide, uh, it'll just mention, oh, there's a map. You can see where Manila and Davao City are. So we'll be in the north in the green one there, and then Devraj and Tristi are down in the southern island. All right. Next slide, please. Thank you. As I mentioned, the Master's Academy International is a coalition of seminaries and training centers all over the world. And... Um, you can see, if you go back uh, one, if you can see right there in Lebanon near where Israel is, that dot there is the training center that we helped start, the Shepherds Training Institute. So they became members of TMAI a year or two ago. Um, and then the one in the Philippines you can see over there. Um, but it's a great group to be a part of. They really help with fundraising and helping with curriculum and, and uh, you know, publishing, things like that. So well, we're really thankful for uh, their help with that. And the kind of ministry focus 
is the verse on the next slide. Second Timothy 2.2, this is uh, Paul speaking to his protege in the faith, Timothy, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, um, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I like to imagine, um, you know, as an analogy, a, a chain being forged, one link at a time, and each chain link is a, a faithful man who has received the uh, instruction from, from Jesus and the apostles, and he's, he's received it from those before him, and he's passing it on to the next person. And you have that all the way through the ages as the Lord has preserved his word, and he's preserved the church uh, through all kinds of persecution and upheaval. And, you know, I've been given so much in seminary. It, it was such a blessing in my own personal life and um, to be able to understand God's Word uh, better and to be able to explain it to others. And I'm excited to help be a part of forging the next links in the chain who will be able to um, pass on to others. And that's really kind of a principle of multiplication, um, you know, the discipleship that Jesus talks about. If you disciple you know, 10 guys, and they go on to disciple even five guys, you know, you have that real multiplication, and we see that in many places where TMAI has, has training centers. On the next slide, I believe, is some info about the Expositors Academy. Uh, we have two certificate programs, and we're working on a master's uh, degree that I'll be involved with. Uh, I stayed a little longer in seminary and got my Master of Theology, and so I'll be able to help with uh, teaching at a, a Master of Divinity level, or Master of Ministry, I think is what we're going for. Um, we've had over uh, 500 graduates in the time that the training center's been there, which is quite an accomplishment because uh, Sean was there by himself for a long time um, before he had others join him. And uh, you might wonder how three guys could have 350 students. And again, it's that modular kind of program. It's a, it's a shorter program, but you have guys all over the country. They, they train in 13 different locations. So, you know, this month, uh, maybe uh, they'll go up to uh, an island uh, out in the west or something like that. And some guys from that region will come and be trained. And then they move a little bit forward. So everybody's kind of slowly moving through this program, and that's why there's so many students involved, and that's why they have need for more help to kind of increase this process. And one kind of unexpected blessing with COVID is just, you know, Zoom has become a household term of <laughs> being able to use the video conferencing, and we had done a little bit of that in the past, but just with everything locked down, especially in the Philippines, they, they had a very severe lockdown. You know, I think the Luciano's kids didn't go out of their house for like a year and a half. Um, so just very strict in Asia with those things. And so um, they were able to use Zoom for a lot of things. And I think going forward, we'll still use that to kind of reduce some of the traveling. But, you know, there, as you know, there's no substitute for in-person instruction. And so we want to get back into that uh, for sure. All right. Um, actually, not sure what the next slide is. Oh, <laughs> Our ministry goals. Um, so, as I said, I'll be focusing mainly on teaching and curriculum development, developing this master of ministry that's kind of new for us. Um, another thing is the international hub. This is an idea of Sean's of basically making a small campus in Manila for these guys that are traveling either from other parts of the Philippines or, or other countries. Um, and we might do that separately. We might do it with one of the local churches. Another thing that's so exciting for us uh, in this ministry is the partnership of, of the Filipino churches. Um, since Sean's been there for so long, he's made a lot of connections. And uh, a lot of people have gone through, a lot of pastors have gone through the program, and they're excited about it as well. Um, actually, Devraj is serving at a church in Davao. 
where the pastor has gone through our program and his son has gone through, and his son is actually studying at the Master's Seminary right now and is, is getting ready to go back in a couple years. And he's so positive about this, their church is doing some renovations and expansions, and he told, uh, he told Sean and Devraj, you know, I want to make some classroom space so you guys can do the ministry here in our church, because he just believes in it. So that's really, you know, in, in Lebanon, we were kind of on the ground floor, and the, the church was really welcoming and encouraging, but I don't think by the time when we were there, they had really caught the vision of, of what we were trying to do. And that's starting up uh, to be more so uh, now, with, especially with our, our former team leader, Mark, and his church. They're, they're behind him now. Um, but it's neat for us to come into this ministry and see this, this network of churches that is already established and, and uh, partnering with us. And so it's not you know, just a bunch of Americans coming in and, and you know, putting together a program, but it's a, really a partnership with uh, the body of Christ in the Philippines. And uh, we're just thankful for that. Um, I asked Sean if he had any recommendations for a church where we could attend when we come to Manila, and he had uh, a short list and encouraged us to be a part. There's, there's one that we're planning to visit called Higher Rock Christian Church in Manila, and that's another church that's been very close with them working together to support this ministry, and um, so we're, we're thankful for that uh, as well. Also be doing some administrative support. Obviously, with that many students, they have a lot of uh, things to keep track of. And uh, I think uh, Jessica's actually been doing a lot of that uh, bookkeeping and things like that. So I'm sure she'll be grateful for some help with that and uh, being able to be freed up. And then, as I mentioned, we're excited to be involved in a, in a local church um, in, a, in a greater way and serve, just use our gifts however we can. So that's uh, kind of a, a quick overview of uh, what we're going to. And we're hoping to leave this summer or, or early fall. The Lord's provided about 50% or a little bit more of our, of our financial support. Um, and actually, our outgoing expenses have been covered already because our, our account was, it was kept open for us from Lebanon, and it was actually pretty healthy when we left. And our, our budget is going to be about 20% less in the Philippines. Um, it was kind of expensive to live in Beirut, honestly. And it's not cheap necessarily in Manila either as an expatriate, but um, it'll be a little bit cheaper, and so that, that helped us out. So on the next slide, yeah, we just have some uh, prayer requests. Uh, we, we just really appreciate your prayers for us as we get ready to move again. Um, we're really thankful for this time um, with uh, just being back in the U.S. and, you know, not thankful for COVID necessarily, but uh, just uh, having that kind of time to ourselves just to kind of think and pray. We kind of were, when we came back, it was just a real emotional time, and we weren't totally sure if we wanted to go back overseas, but the Lord really used that time to just reaffirm that desire in our hearts, and, and uh, so we're, we're really looking forward to um, going back uh, into that ministry. Although, as I was telling uh, Chris and Ashley, we... Uh, the kind of the rose-colored glasses part of it is all gone now because we kind of know what it's like to move overseas. You know, when you first go out as a missionary, there's a little bit of romanticism to it of like, you know, we're going to go off on an adventure. And it, it still is an adventure, but you realize more of the challenges of adapting to a new culture and, and just being awkward and not fitting in and working through all these different social things. So I think, I think it's a, overall it's good for us to have a more balanced perspective of things. Um, but uh, either way, we're, we're excited in maybe a little bit more uh, sober way, I guess you could say. So, yeah.
Thank you for, uh, again, the opportunity. I think we have uh, some time for questions. If you guys have any uh, questions about our ministry, yeah. Yeah, so um, we, we're all supported missionaries, and, uh, you know, so all of our funds come from the U.S., uh, well, most of it from the U.S., I would say, and uh, so we could offer it for free, but we found, it was the same thing in Lebanon, we found that people will put more value in things if they pay for it, you know, it's that kind of thing, if it's free, it's like, well, I'm kind of tired, I'm not going to go tonight, it's like, well, no, I paid for this, I want to get my money's worth kind of thing, it's just just how we're wired. And so I think generally TMAI encourages their training centers to charge something. But we do try to make it, you know, if it's a, a, a pastor out in the provinces and in the, in the rural areas who can't afford very much, we try to, you know, adjust it to something that will be not painful, but it'll be, you know, something that they can um, see value in it. So, um, and then, you know, if it's a situation where somebody just can't pay, um, I think there's a room for like a scholarship or something like that. And so they still see it as someone's paying for me to go um, rather than just kind of this free service. So it's a good question. Thanks. Yes, Yeah, they require that all, all of us, all of the missionaries uh, pay into a retirement fund, and they, they actually do a matching uh, percentage, up to a certain percent, like an employer, they would, they'll match. And so the church has been uh, so generous uh, to us, because the, the, the sending agency is actually part of our church. Um, and uh, yeah, when we were, I, I've been working for the sending agency while I was in seminary, and again now when we came back, and like I mentioned, they have very generous insurance. Like our first three children were born while I was working there, and I don't think we paid a dime for any of them. Um, so um, they kind of have that same mentality for the missionaries, making sure that we're insured and and have uh, retirement. Um, yeah, there is kind of a historical thing where, uh, you know, missionaries would go out and they'd kind of, the idea was that you would rely on the Lord and, you know, Obviously, that you know, Lord provides for people, but what that would often look like is the church that sent them out would be, um, you know, they would feel obligated or they'd want to provide for these uh, retirees that are coming off the field, and so they just feel like it's a better, better method to provide them for their own retirement, and then it's not this kind of obligation with the church. So, thank you. Any other questions or comments? Yeah, that's a good question. We have not. Um, this is a little unusual, but um, when we uh, decided to go to the Philippines, they were still locked down with COVID. They weren't allowing any foreigners to come in. And uh, so we were thinking about that. Normally, you do take an exploratory trip, um, but uh, we didn't want to wait. We were excited about the ministry, and so uh, we, I went to the elders and asked them, you know, would it be okay with you? We've, we've lived overseas before. We we know all of the, um, the missionaries on the team. We know the ministry. We served in this kind of ministry. It's the same group with TMAI. Uh, would you be okay if we f forego the, the trip and start raising uh, support right now? And they said, okay. So that might make our entrance a little bit more bumpy, but uh, um, I think because it's our second time out, we felt confident that uh, you know visiting wasn't going to reveal some kind of like, oh, we can't live here. Um, so 
so yeah, we're, we're kind of uh, a little bit more like the old days where you just show up and here you are. <laughs> um, one thing that's been nice is uh, Sean and Jessica came back for furlough last year and it kept getting longer because they couldn't go back either even though he has, uh, Jessica's a Filipina citizen and so they have residency through, through her citizenship but even then, even then they couldn't go back for a time and so we actually got to spend some extra time with them while they were on furlough and just getting to know them and so that was another part of it, uh, not taking a visit. But I don't recommend that generally. <laughs> yes, sir. Joy, what was the name? I don't think so. Wow. In Manila or? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of uh, missionaries over there. I've, um, I had a friend who gave me a book of uh, a couple ABWE missionaries that served there during the World War II and that it's an interesting story. So there's, like I said, there's been a lot of uh, missionaries that have gone there and prepared the way, so to speak. Yes, sir. Yeah. So Manila is an interesting city. Um, it's uh, it's one of those places where you have the super rich, you know, very wealthy, and there's. There is a middle class, but it's much more concentrated on the very poor and the very rich. Um, I've, I've been told it's, it's, it sounds similar to Mexico City. I visited Mexico City, and you'd see these big high-rises, and then like one block over, you'd have like a shanty town. And you can kind of see that in Manila along the river and, and, and along the waterfront there, just a lot of uh, slums and people living under bridges and things like that. And so... Um, there's definitely a lot of poverty, but they have a lot of infrastructure as well. Um, Beirut was kind of an interesting mix of first world and, and third world, where like we, we had you know um, you know modern roads and uh, you know Wi-Fi and things like that, but the power would go off every day. But then you'd have a you know you'd have a generator on your block, a big diesel like uh, big rig generator that you would pay, so you'd have two electric bills. So in, uh, in Manila, they, you know, it sounds like they can keep the power on all the time, but there's much more of a disparity in, in uh, living conditions. And so our teammates uh, live in small houses, kind of in the, uh, um, in the suburbs of the city. When, if you live farther into the city, it's usually an apartment situation or like a condo. Um, so we're kind of debating about the best thing. I think initially we're probably going to uh, go where the team is just to kind of benefit from their uh, uh, wisdom and expertise and be nice to have a little green space for, for the kids. But um, as you may know, in Manila, that means you drive more and you sit in traffic more. There's just a lot of traffic there. And so uh, Sean was joking with us. He's like, I kind of go back and forth. Like, I, you know, I've had times in my life where I've had a long commute and I just get tired of it. I'm like, I'm going to live close to wherever next. And he's like, and then I live close. And it's like, you know, I'd rather be out of the city a little more. And he's like, I've gone back and forth several times in my life. <laughs> um, so uh, we might end up doing something similar. Any other questions? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good question. Yeah, so we started 
we started homeschooling our kids in, in uh, Beirut, and uh, we, we enjoy that. It's a good fit for our family and our lifestyle of moving around. Like, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to say we're going to take a trip to Oregon and Washington, so you guys have spring break this week. Um, so that's really help, been helpful. Um, and so we intend to keep doing that in the Philippines. They, uh, they actually have a national uh, a, uh, homeschooling day in the Philippines. So even people, you know, here in America, I mean, it's changing a little bit now, but I would say the, a lot of people that are homeschooling are believers. But, you know, like I was homeschooled when I was, uh, when I was a boy, and it was a little bit more like this kind of like anti-government thing a little bit. Not my parents, but I noticed that vibe a little bit. Um, but now it's become more kind of commonplace, I think. And in the Philippines, it's even more so, where, where people who are not doing it for any kind of spiritual reason um, are involved. So that's nice because you have a lot of support for that. There is a, a large missionary school that the, the Ransoms have sent their kids to. It's called Faith Academy. It's actually, I think, one of the largest missionary schools in the world, um, international school, because some of the Filipinos send their kids there as well. And so that sounds like the Ransoms speak very highly of it. So it's nice to have that option. We're kind of taking it one year at a time and seeing what's best for our family. Um, but it'll be nice because they actually offer, you know, you can, you can get, pay a small fee and use their library and some of their campus. And so we'll take advantage of that. But, um, yeah, that's what, what's what, what we're doing for now. And, you know, it's like I said, it, there's little aspects that help out the schedule. They're, the kids, you know, we were doing Arabic for our foreign language and now we're doing Tagalog. So uh, even though the ministry is in, in English, all the training, um, and many people that are, anyone who's educated, it sounds like, in, in Manila speaks English, you know, they still, their heart language is Tagalog or another dialect there. So we'll be studying one of those um, just to be able to talk with people and things like that. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, um, yeah, Jessica was telling us that there's a Facebook group of, uh, you know, just missionaries living in, uh, in Manila, and so it's a pretty big group, and they, you know, share, uh, uh, you know, furniture and things like that, and tips, and help each other out, so, um, you know, different, different groups, you know, some people are, some groups are a little bit more, like, inward focused, and, you know, I think probably our group would be a little bit that way, just as far as like we're very focused on the kind of ministry we're doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want to partner with whoever has, you know, a similar philosophy of ministry and things like that. Um, but yeah, anytime, anytime you, like we had the same thing in Beirut, there was a WhatsApp group where, you know, anytime anyone was moving, it would be like uh, people would descend and like, you know, buy, we sold all, almost all of our stuff to other, other missionaries. Um, because sometimes you bring over things that, you know, Americans are interested in, like, uh, you know, a 220 volt, uh, converter, things like that. So, <laughs> um, now I wish I kept some of those things, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chris. yeah. So, um, my, uh, THM was in theology. I enjoy, uh, just, uh, t studying and teaching theology as well as preaching. And so, um, I'll, I'll be studying, or I'll be teaching uh, theology probably. Um, I taught a class on um, how to preach um, narrative, how to interpret and preach narrative and parables and um, some different kinds of different uh, biblical literature. 
And so I, it'd be great to teach that class again. So we haven't got that all exactly scheduled out, but at least the theology one, uh, I'll probably be teaching uh, if we're there, Lord willing, if we're there by next year. Um, so that's uh, kind of where my heart is and uh, just showing people how, um, how it matters what we believe about God. You know that famous quote, uh, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And uh, so we really strive to make some theology something that people see as uh, affecting their lives. You know, it's, it's that old kind of idea of, of seminary becoming this uh, ivory tower where people are just debating, you know, esoteric things that don't really matter. And uh, the way I was trained and the, what, what we want to pass on is that, no, this is, we're going to focus on what God has revealed in Scripture about himself and how that uh, affects our lives. So we're looking forward to doing that for sure. All right. Any last questions or thoughts? All right. Thank you guys so much. And uh, like I said, we're just really grateful to be here with you and for your prayers for us and encouragement. So God bless you. Oh, I should mention, sorry, <laughs> we have a, a clipboard out there. Some of you are already on our, our newsletter prayer list. Uh, we try to send out a newsletter every couple months or so. So if you'd like to receive those, you can put your name down there uh, uh, very clearly, if you don't mind. I'm not very good at reading handwriting. And then we have some prayer cards uh, if you'd like to get a new prayer card of our family. So thanks very much. Well, spend time getting to know them in the break here, but uh, and then looking at their materials they've got on the, uh, the desk there. But uh, let's pray for the Browns as they make this transition. Uh, Father, we thank you for the Browns. We thank you for um, stirring their hearts and their desires um, to serve in this capacity. Lord, we know that you love the training of men. You've encapsulated that in Scripture, Second uh, Timothy 2.2 and other passages. Lord, we pray that you would um, raise up men, faithful men in the Philippines, to be preaching the word accurately and truthfully, that you would save many uh, from in that country, but also in the surrounding countries. Thank you for just the vision of there being a gateway into even the rest of Asia, and in a sense, oh Lord God, we, we pray that you would bless that. Um, we pray that you would bless the team that's there now. We pray that you would bless the Browns as they go. Pray that you would uh, give them the support that they need. Give us wisdom as a church, um, if we partner with them, to, to go all in in that sense, oh Lord God, and to really come alongside. Um, Lord, we thank you for them being here today, um, and uh, pray that we could be mutually encouraging in our time together um, during the rest of the morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.